Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast coming to you live from Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, our CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. Follow him at Vinny Duber. Uh, and you can read his latest piece up at All CHGO discussing our main topic, Eric Fetty. He literally was in the uh, conference room typing away for, for a like good hour. Uh, typing up what Eric Fetty had to uh, say about his transition from South Korea to the South Side. We'll be sharing the entire Zoom call with you later on in the show. So you'll get to hear Eric Fetty's voice for the first time. I know people are are, are, are waiting on pins and needles for this. He sounds like a regular guy he with does. a regular voice. <laughs> he really, really does. <laughs> uh, Eric Fetty, he's just like you and me, except he's 6'4 and is an MLB pitcher who just made go. $15 million. And so. he's been to South Korea, like probably the vast majority of folks listening have not yeah right right he's a, a well-traveled individual that's so. that's that's pretty high on my uh international travel list same wish list yeah, yeah south yeah. korea yeah hmm. i think would, it looks cool do you have a number one guys uh, also sarah's producing us today hi hi um do you guys have a top place to travel to i see i kind of like i feel like i just throw them all out there and be like whichever one of these is actual right. ends up happening i did my number one that would be australia so that was my, okay. always at the top of my list but south like, korea is on there scotland i'd like to go see scotland uh if uh argentina looks uh looks fun uh we were hearing all about will gottlieb's trip to yes. uh, argentina at the uh at the uh holiday party the other day so there, there are some up there switzerland Ooh. i'm swiss so i would like to go to switzerland see them alps yeah I've been to Switzerland once. Oh, yeah. what was it like, Very Sarah? Nice. It's gorgeous. I was only there for a day, though, because I had a layover, but it was a 24-hour one, so me and my friends still kind of explored. But... I was going to say, like, you were just going to be like, I've been to Switzerland. It looks beautiful from the terminal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But I do want to go there for, like, an actual trip. Yeah. Yeah. But good place to be laid over in. Good uh, chocolate. Yeah, either yeah. yeah, either being laid over in Switzerland or Tulsa. Uh, ooh, mm. uh, the Zurich airport is actually very nice. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> but any anything in, in that part of the region's <laughs> beautiful and lovely. Uh, AJ Lore, uh, we're getting some uh, baseball kids uh, lore in the chat. He said he used to live in New Zealand. That's yeah. a, that one looks that one looks great too. Very, I'd be all about going back. Uh, I know it's not the land down under, but it's it's down under on the globe. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd be back, down to go back for that. Absolutely. Um, I, th I think my place, I've been to Ireland before, but I was only 10. And the one thing is I fell asleep in the car all the time because the air is just different over there. It gets heavier. Uh, so, like, every drive, I, I did not get to sightsee because I was asleep. Uh, so, I'd like to go as a full-grown adult. Maybe I'd be able to handle uh, that trip better. Uh, so, I, Ireland would be cool. Uh, you know, I, I think Japan. That's, Japan. That's I, a big I was, bucket list. Yeah, I know it's, it's big for people, but it's interesting that you guys went to South Korea first. But uh, yeah, uh, let's move into Eric Fetty, who knows all about South Korea. Then he had the first question and he basically asked, you know, how was Korea? What was that experience like? And uh, really, what have you changed? What is different from Eric Fetty from 2022, who last pitched with the Nationals, to this Eric Fetty that will be pitching for the White Sox in 2024? Here is Eric Fetty. Yeah, I mean, I think it started uh, right with that offseason um, after my last year with the Nats. I knew uh, some things had to change. Um, just wasn't having the success I wanted. Um, ended up uh, picking up and moving to Arizona to kind of get to a, a workout facility um, and a pitching lab uh, called Push here in Arizona. And then uh, they also had some physical therapists uh, called Next Era in the facility just to kind of get me feeling right and uh, kind of get myself a uh, a new repertoire and feeling strong, um, you know, added, a 
a sweeper, which uh, I guess everyone likes to talk about these days. And then, um, you know, just like really got my change up figured out. And uh, I mean, that led me to have a really a four pitch mix when I went to Korea and I think led to a lot of the success, but Korea was amazing. Uh, you know, they uh, treated me really well. Uh, the atmosphere is, uh, you know, unmatched with, uh, you know, the chance and the, just the way the crowd is. But um, yeah, it was a great place for me to go and, you know, I wanted a place where I could throw a ton of innings and, you know, work on my things that I made adjustments on. And, uh, you know, Korea really offered that for me. You mentioned two of those pitches. What is that full four pitch mix and, and, and how is it different than what you were doing, uh, when you last pitched for the Nats? Yeah. I mean, uh, sinker for the most part, um, cutter sweeper and changeup as, uh, you know, the four, um, the biggest difference is uh, just didn't really have like a put out breaking ball in the sense a cutter was, you know, my go-to, but not really a swing and miss pitch, but uh, adding the sweeper just added some velocity to my breaking ball and uh, just was really getting the swings and misses that I was missing in the big leagues. And then, yeah, the changeup was uh, just another way to kind of keep both righties and lefties off my fastball, which, uh, you know, I really needed, um, and that was probably yeah, the biggest the biggest changes. Hey Eric, uh, just what stood out to you? What attracted you to the White Sox? You know, obviously a great offer on the table, and uh, you know, talking with uh, you know Pedro and Katz and and Getz, just kind of you know they're talking about um, starting a new culture there, and um, you know, also it's a place where I felt like you know I could get into the rotation and uh, you know try to really help the squad um, be better and be you know part of uh, you know the rebuilding of that rotation for sure. When you went overseas, how different was it for you? And how did that come about that you were able to do that? And usually I've been finding out that a lot of pitchers have success when they do it. It's obviously a tough move, just, uh, you know, picking up and going to a different country. But, you know, NC was great about helping me adjust well in the sense of, uh, you know, gave me a place to live, a great translator, uh, made me feel comfortable. But, um, you know, it's uh, you know, just something where, I don't know. I guess everyone has their their own take on why they might have success, but I just felt like I came in there in the best shape and the best, uh, in the sense, pitching repertoire I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of confidence going in there and I think it just led to the success. How did they use you? Uh, just, I mean, I guess as their number one starter, you know, they gave me the ball and it was nice to have that confidence again of somebody, you know, handing you the baseball and expecting you know, six, seven innings and a hundred pitches. And, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, that fed into my confidence. And I think, uh, led to kind of revitalizing of, uh, remembering who I, who I was. Hey, Eric, for, uh, those of us who aren't that familiar, can you give us like a comparative level for what the competition level is like over, uh, in the league you were playing in and just, you know, what, when you thought, when you went over there, did you feel like you would have, did you look at big picture? Did you look at long-term that, it may turn around and you come back and you'd be, you know, a pretty coveted uh, pitcher going into the season. Yeah, of course the goal going over there was to, uh, you know, hopefully come back to the big leagues. Uh, like I said, it was somewhere where I felt I could work on all my new pitches and, you know, get the ball every fifth, sixth day there and, uh, you know, throw a ton of innings and, uh, you know, prove what I had. And, uh, you know, maybe wasn't quite expecting the all out success that I had, but, um, you know, that's what I wanted and uh, was able to, you know, uh, 
you know, was able to do it. But um, yeah, the competition is, uh, of course, it's not quite the, the major leagues, but it felt like each team had a couple uh, major league quality hitters, uh, not quite as much power for sure. Um, but, you know, they still uh, a little more um, into the small ball, moving runners, uh, fouling off pitches. So they work you in different ways, but I guess uh, maybe the overall power threat wasn't quite there in Korea. Eric, how much, uh, confidence have you gained since leaving Washington and not having to live up to those expectations that uh, were so great and so probably uh, daunting on you at certain times during your career there? Yeah, I mean, for sure, I feel like I haven't had quite this confidence in a long time. Um, You know, those are things, the pressure and things that I think that's a privilege and something that, you know, I hope for and, you know, that I want. But um, overall, like I said, the new the new pitch mix and all those things to see the success I had with them. uh, I mean, there's just no more confidence I could possibly have than what I do now. So uh, now it's about taking that and feeding it into, uh, you know, my upcoming pitching in the, in the, the majors again. Eric, you're talking a lot about confidence. What sort of confidence do you have that the success you had facing that competition level in Korea will translate to the major leagues and, and, and you'll get the the results that you're looking for or, or, or something similar? Yeah. I mean, I, I really believe it's going to translate well. I mean, the biggest thing is I, my last year in DC, I was not feeling as amazing as I do now. You know, I feel strong. I feel healthy. Um, to me, my velocity's back. Um, and I just feel like there's sharpness on my pitches that, um, you know, I just didn't have there at the end of my career. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to pitch in the big leagues and I know what it takes to, you know, get out, get swings and misses and be successful. And I think, uh, you know, I have a lot of confidence thinking that what I have right now is a, a repertoire that can do that. We've heard a lot, be it from, you know, yourself, the the, the manager, so many others uh, about Chris Getz's vision for the future. What were your conversations with him like leading up to this agreement? And, and what do you kind of uh, take away from, from what he's got planned for this White Sox team? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to speak to him kind of once we uh, finalized uh, like the offer and that, you know, I was planning to come to Chicago. Um, he called me and he seemed so fired up and excited. And, uh, to me, that was just, you know, um, something that, you know, got me very excited to have somebody that's, uh, so passionate and, um, you know, and someone that personally wanted me to come play there. So, uh, you know, that gives me a lot of, uh, I mean, good feedback, but yeah, he spoke about like how he said he wanted to change the culture and just kind of get, uh, get us moving in the right direction. And, uh, you know, I'm really happy to hopefully be a part of that, that, that vision. Eric, your, your confidence is obviously, you know, so much greater now. Take us, if you could take us back to where you were mentally and maybe physically too, that, that last year in Washington, kind of like, you know, where was your, where was your head and what was your confidence level like then? And what, what, what were sort of some of the things that you were going through and dealing with? That last year, just, I mean, the reality was unfortunately in spring training, I, uh, you know, had a little hiccup, uh, with health. And I just felt like I was behind the eight ball from the beginning and never really felt truly healthy. Um, you know, it was tough. My velocity was down. Things weren't sharp. Um, it felt like rather than focusing on maybe, um, you know, really focusing on being my best, it was just trying to get ready to go out there every five days. And, uh, you know, it's not a fun place to be when it's a long season. Um, but you know, that, um, you know, change, like I said, change like the way um, I prepared for the season, change the way I, I go about my physical 
therapy and, uh, you know, just preventing things like that. So I think, like I said, the biggest thing is feeling healthy. I feel like, you know, I'm throwing as hard and as, as well as I have in, ever in my career. So, uh, I feel like that's probably the biggest change from what I was there in, uh, 2022. And, and when did things really click for you? Was it as, as this past season sort of developed or did you know going into the season that you were, you were going to kind of be back and, and pitching the way you wanted to pitch? Uh, well, I guess in the off season, I definitely tried to put in the work to, uh, you know, be the best I could. Uh, but you never know how things are going to, how things are going to shake out once, you know, real hitters get in the box and you have a uh, real at bats and in game. So I think after maybe that first month in Korea, when I was having a lot of success and getting, you know, just feel like I was being, being in command on the mound, uh, this is when I first realized, like, I think all the hard work paid off and, you know, I'm, I'm at where I want to be. Yeah. After all that you've been able to go on through to get back to this point, just what does this uh, opportunity uh, mean to you? I mean, it means everything. Uh, you know, I had that just terrible taste in my mouth about the way, you know, my career ended up in the major leagues and going to Korea, you know, it, you know, it could be the last taste you ever had of it. And, uh, you know, I just really didn't want that to be how my career ended in the major leagues. And, uh, you know, luckily I'm able to, uh, you know, pitch well and get a chance again. And, you know, that just gives me that much more fire to uh, make sure I, I change the way, you know, I'm viewed and the narrative around my career and move forward in a positive way. The motivation is clear and it's a very easy guy to root for because it, I think it's similar to what I heard from Zach Wilson, who stepped in uh, for the Jets this past Sunday. Um, and he kind of said, what, am I going to get benched again? Like Eric Fetty, I kind of, you know, he's in the place of what, am I going to go to Korea again? I've done that. Like, you know, I, I've failed in major league baseball before I have gone, I have improved myself. Here's my other chance. There's nothing to lose because, you know, I, I have put myself in a spot to be here. There's no, you know, uh, question that Eric Fetty should be a major league pitcher. Now he gets the chance to go out and prove it. So I think it's an easy guy to, you know, we talked about this as a bet. It's an easy guy to bet on. Well, it, let's put it this way. I think hearing from the guy probably gives White Sox fans or certainly the White Sox, maybe even more confidence than they had prior to when they were just looking at his baseball reference page. Right. I mean, because obviously, you know, we've got this comment from AJ, which, which kind of says it all, you know, if if this was a if this was the KBO MVP and he hadn't had six years worth of major league experience prior, it would be this huge deal signing that the White Sox were able to, to get this guy. But because they can, you can go look up, well, what is what has he done in the major leagues, and that it's not very impressive, you can enter this uh, you know with with skepticism. And I'm not saying that's misplaced either, because listen, the last time this guy pitched in the major leagues, it, it, it wasn't pretty. That being said, listening to him, you can hear that he feels very different than he did before. Um, that obviously the pitching is very different than it was before because not only did he have that success over in Korea, but guys like Brian Bannister, guys like Ethan Katz can point to point to what he cha changed and say, oh yeah, we know that works. Or we, we would have advised the same thing to get him back on track, kind of something like that. But you've also got him standing on the mound feeling a lot better than he did before. He's going to go into uh, battles with opposing hitters, feeling good physically, feeling good mentally, and being able to say, hey, I just did this last year. And, mm -hmm. you know, what do guys always say when they come up? They might not be 100% right when they say this, but what do they always say? Hey, it's the same game. You know, 60 feet, 6 inches the mound. It, it, it's the same game. Go out there, do what you did last year, 
And yeah, it might not be a two ERA. It might not be 20 wins, but to have success at the major league level in a way that he hasn't had it before is something he can, I don't want to say probably, but certainly he feels that he can produce after he hasn't really done that, at least not in any sustained way prior in his major league career. Well, and confidence in the actual pitches too, because when he was in Major League Baseball, he didn't have confidence in his changeup at all. He didn't have confidence in his breaking ball, and that showed in his last year. Uh, he pulled back on actually throwing those pitches. So then it became easier to guess his pitches, right? Like, oh, this is either going to be a sinker or a cutter. So hitters could just kind of gear up that this is going to be anywhere from 93 to 88, and they could just kind of tee off on Eric Fetty. Now he has the ability to keep them off balance, right, with that sweeper, with that new split change that he talked about developing with push. Um, and you could just see it in the amount that he threw the pitches in Korea. Uh, his last year in Major League Baseball, he threw his sinker 40.3% of the time. In Korea, it was 35.3% of the time, so about a 5% difference. Uh, his cutter went from 27.4 usage to 19.2%, so he really didn't rely on that pitch as much, but still nearly threw it about 20% of the time. Uh, his sweeper which was a curveball back then. Uh, he threw 28.7% of the time, up to 32.9% of the time. So gaining confidence in that new pitch and wasn't afraid to throw it, right? I mean, this is a brand new pitch and he's like, well, I got this weapon. Let's go throw it as many times as possible. And then that change up 3.5% up to 12.6%. And it's interesting to hear him throw it against both uh, lefties and righties. Uh, usually, you know, you, you see Dylan Cease, he's throwing that 73 mile per hour change up to Anthony Rizzo because to a, a, a lefty, that looks like a just giant beach ball, right? Just that's floating in there. Um, with Fetty, that split, similar to like a Kevin Gosman, similar to a Logan Webb, is just going to have disgusting break no matter what. And I think that's really helpful. Righties or lefties, you're able to throw a changeup. Like Michael Kopech really couldn't throw a righty on righty changeup just because, you know, the differential in his fastball and changeup isn't that much velocity-wise. So it's just, you know, I just have to sit back a little bit. Um, so it is cool to kind of see the confidence that he has built. And obviously health is a big part of that. But going up and posting a two ERA in Korea also has to do with that too, and he's got the weapons to do it right. He's got he's got the, the the tool belt has expanded for Batman. I mean, we talk about it all the time. You know, when a guy is struggling, just get a hit. You know what I mean? Just just get a strikeout. Let's, let's have that one, two, three inning. Hit that one ball over the fence, and then the pressure's off. It becomes a lot easier. This is a guy who was not able to do those kind of simple things, either A, because of health, or B, because it just wasn't working for him the last time he pitched in the major leagues. What did he just do? He just had a season in which he 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 saw it work. He, he saw the fruits of his labor pay off immediately. Um, not everybody is always, you know, fortunate enough to have that happen. He has had it, and now he's got an entire year under his belt that he can lean on. It's not just, boy, I'm going into spring training, and hopefully Ethan has something for me, and hopefully it'll work. It's, I made these changes. They were extensive, and then I got to go test them out mm -hmm. uh, against in, in the sport. I mean, listen, I don't think anybody's pretending, whether it's Eric Fetty or, or me or you, nobody's pretending that the hitters that he was facing are going to be the same as the lineups that that even even the worst major league teams are trotting out there on a daily basis. But to be able to go do the action, do the job, and do it well for an entire season, and now he comes back and gets to go do it again, he can just say, I remember how that felt. I just did it last year. Right. It's, it's, it's not like it's a question without an answer. Well, it's similar to the Royals' new signing, Seth Lugo, right? I mean, he's always been relied on as a relief pitcher, and he's wanted that opportunity to be a starter, and he finally was allowed to do that by the Padres, and you could just see the confidence kind of 
building and building. And maybe the first month wasn't good for him. But after he got through that first month, he started to take off. Eric Fetty talked about the same thing. It kind of took him a month to get comfortable in a new country completely, a new league. And then you started to see him jump from there. And the one thing that I think will be different from Fetty uh, from the KBO to Major League Baseball. Obviously, he went from Major League Baseball to KBO. Now he has to come back. Um, the K rate won't be there, at least to what it was uh, at the KBO. Uh, at the KBO, his K rate was up to, I think, about, uh, I thought it, the swinging strike percentage was around 10%. Uh, his highest ever in the Major Leagues was around 8%. For context, Major League swing and miss average for a average major league pitchers around 11%. So he's still going to be under the major league average uh, of swing and miss, but the sweeper gives him the opportunity to gain more sweep and, uh, swing and miss. Same with that split change uh, as he addressed, but he's going to be a ground ball pitcher. Um, he is a guy that was 23rd of 83rd from 2021 to 2022 uh, with a 45.7% ground ball rate league average around 42.9%. So he's about 3% uh, better at getting ground balls than an average starting pitcher. Um, so he's still going to be a guy that gets ground balls. And with the improved defense, that should help Eric Fetty. Um, he was also fifth from 2021 to 2022 in ERA minus FIP. So fielding independent pitching, right? Like we talked about this with uh, Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech. If the defense was better, if they were making those routine plays, this is what their ERA would be. He was fifth in ERA minus so in baseball, in in baseball, yeah. out of eighty three qualified starting pitchers, so his five ERA over those two years was around four point nine. Actually, if he had an average defense, which the Sox are hoping to get, so it might not be a two ERA with a ten K per nine for Eric Fetty, but he might be a guy that has like a fifty percent ground ball rate. And as long as the White Sox can play defense behind him, he should be able to get out of innings and he should be able, as he showed in Korea, to give you six to seven uh, every night. So it might not be you know, shut out 10 Ks each night, but he might be able to give you seven to six consistent might be th- you know, an ERA around like four point two to you know four point five. That's not bad. That's that's major league average. And that's that's very valuable. You can see the plan in motion, right? You can see what Chris Getz is trying to do right right out in front of you. You know what I mean? Here's a ground ball pitcher. Why'd they go get him? Because they want Paul DeYoung and Yoan Moncada and Nicky Lopez to pick up the ball and throw it over to first base. I mean, they went out and got guys that can field confidently, that they can be confident in their ability to field ground balls. And then what do they do? They go get a pitcher who's going to give them a lot of ground balls to field. I mean, this is not rolling the dice on a style of pitching that has to avoid the holes in your in your roster which you might have seen from guys like Kopech and Cease the last uh, last year I mean their their walks were through the moon or through the roof rather to the moon whatever the you want to yeah, say their walk totals were so high and we heard from Chris Getz that some of the pitchers on the White Sox were having were, were not confident throwing the ball in the strike zone because they didn't want it to get hit on the ground and hit to this defense that was not going to make the play a lot of the time so now you're putting defensive players behind them which again Chris gets has said all of this I'm not I'm not figuring out some sort of secret formula here (laughs) he came out and said we want to get good defenders back there the guys can hit it on the ground do the job and 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 here you go these are the guys that they're adding so I think it's very um, interesting to see them build toward the specific style we talked about the style of play that they want to see guys play this is a style of play and so uh as as the offseason goes on I'm not saying you know sort your fan graphs table by ground ball rate and put the top five guys on the White Sox. But 
you can look for guys in that 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 have that as part of their game that might be what Chris Getz is looking for. Did you say that because I have Fangrass open sorted by ground ball rate? No, but oh. it's a, it's it's a it's nice good. transition to whatever you're looking up. Good timing. Uh, well, I just wanted to see you know Eric Fetty's ground ball rate compared to where he would be in 2023. Um, he would be about 22nd in Major League Baseball if you uh, took his Korean. Ground ball rate. Yes. And no, no, no. If you just took his 2021 to 2022 MLB ground gotcha. ball rate, gotcha. uh, where he was, what, 23rd out of 83? Um, 83. Uh, Dane Dunning at 46.3 would be where he slides in because he was at uh, 45.7. So he'd still be around top 20 uh, in the ability to ground get a ground ball uh uh, out of uh, hitters and also too again with those two pitches those two pitches are supposed to look like fastballs they're supposed to play off that cutter that sits at 88 that sweeper is supposed to play off that cutter that uh, sits at 88 um, and hopefully you miss barrels and are getting weak content hopefully you think that sinker at 93 is coming in but it's actually that split change that you are a little bit early on in front and Yohan Moncada is able to feel the ground ball and throw it over to Andrew Vaughn right like I, I think that if he was around 50 percent uh, of a ground ball rate. I mean, that's top 10 and all of those guys have an ERA under 420. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, he's going to be getting Cy Young votes, but when Fred says Fetty's a fifth starter and contending team, that's huge for a White Sox team that I know we've brought this up or you guys brought this up when I wasn't here. Um, a White Sox team that is rebuilding. And if they do have a fifth starter on a team uh, that doesn't really have an ego and is just trying to prove it, that's real intriguing to a playoff team to get a guy that, can give you innings, uh, can get you a ground ball, like you know what you're expecting from that pitcher, um, and just wants to win, right? Like the sports are so individualized now. Um, I think that this is a guy that probably doesn't have like, oh, I need to go out and start, right? Like him moving to the bullpen, I think he would love to have the ability to be back in Major League Baseball in the postseason if he had the opportunity to help a team. Like, that's a guy you want on your team. Well, yeah, it's possible that this guy could become an asset for the White Sox depending on what the landscape looks like come July or the following July, I guess. But, I mean, think about it this way. You know, Fred, Fetty is a fifth starter on a contending team. Okay, well, the White Sox aren't a contending team, and I understand that's the point you're trying to make. But the idea is let's revisit that in a year, and let's see, A, where Fetty is, and let's see B where the White Sox are. Because if a year from now, Chris gets his position, this team to be a contender for the AL Central, you know, we'll, we'll be conservative here, a contender for the AL Central in 2025, is Eric Fetty still the top of the rotation? I mean, if they trade Dylan Cease this offseason, Eric Fetty's your opening day starter for this White Sox team. Um, obviously, that might not be the kind of... Uh, uh, opening day starter you'd expect from a team that's going to either win a division or, or or a playoff series or what have you but also let's see where Fetty is a year from now too because the possibility exists if you want to be uh if you want to be optimistic or or uh, starry-eyed or whatever that Eric Fetty might warrant top of the rotation one two three kind of status come opening day 2025 you know with the with the uh, performance that he turns in and if it if that's not the case then you'd probably feel confident at him at the back of the rotation for a, for a contending team as you lay out there Fred um, maybe the White Sox are in that position maybe next year is the year they're eyeing to go spend some money on some pitching maybe they think that the young guys that they've got at double a AA and triple a right now look really impressive come opening day 2025 or not long into that 2025 season so uh, you know there's a reason that this is a two-year contract right mm -hmm. this 
isn't just, hey, we need a guy to log innings and get out while we sit here and wait for 2025 to come around. He's under contract for 2025, and they, they gave him that contract that puts him uh, under team control for 2025. It's very possible that he is part of their plan. I shouldn't even say it's very possible. He likely is part of their plan for 2025, not just sitting here killing time in 2024. Yeah, and uh, two, like, Eric Fetty could be giving you, you know, a consistent seven innings, three to four earned runs each night. Um, but it's also, too, I mean, the defense has improved. The pitching has improved. Will the hitting be improved? Um, it hasn't. It isn't so far. Right. right and yeah. <laughs> and uh, the White Sox, if you flipped uh, the results of every one run game last year, uh, they'd go 72 and 90. Still not good. Um, still not good, but that's an 11 game difference, right? Like how many one run games are they going to have where, you know, it's three, two where Eric Fetty has a fine performance. Just the White Sox aren't able to score. Like, I mean, that that's the thing. There might the, be a lot is what you're saying. Yes, right. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, there's 49 <laughs> one run games for the White Sox last year. Um, maybe they're a little bit more competitive and maybe they're in more games and they play like, you know, 55 one run games. Uh, but, you know, like I, I just think that Eric Fetty will allow them to be in games um and that's what you know c- contending teams want usually contending teams are in games so I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing to say that he'd be a fifth starter on a contending team because again like the white Sox need anyone who's major league level this guy seems to be major league level right i mean we've been talking about it since before the season even ended that the the starting pitching need was so great because they just didn't have anybody right. and now they've got a guy who in a league in in a foreign country was one of the best pitchers in in that league so or the best pitcher in that league so um it's not anything to shake a stick at or, or to, to turn up your nose at. I don't know. I'm getting my shake metaphors. I'm getting all yeah. metaphors all mixed up. It's nothing to turn up your nose at. We'll put it that way. That being said, I don't think we're I, I don't think we're going to sit here right now and predict that he's going to have a two ERA. No. Oh, hell yeah. no. No, no. But a four ERA, maybe. And that's that's really good and, and for a major league starter that might give you 130 innings. Uh, yeah, no. Eric Fetty, I think, uh, you know, he's, he's never posted a two-war season. His best season was 1.2 F war. Um, I think I think he easily surpasses that, at least. That was with a, a 5.47 ERA and 133 innings. If he's able to give 150 innings with around, you know, 4.2 to 4.8 ERA. That's going to be an extremely valuable pitcher. So the White Sox, I think, made a, a real uh, smooth signing there. So uh, congrats to Chris Gatz and Brian Bannister. Uh, why don't we sing a little, Vinny? Like, is your is your singing voice warmed up? Me 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 me. Five eight eight two three hundred Empire today. Uh, thank you to Empire today for making it really easy to start ad reads. Uh, with Empire today, you get shop at home. Uh, shop at home. You get shop at home convenience. Boy, uh, the right products for your needs and quick and professional installation at a low price guarantee. Empire Today is the best place to get new flooring. So, of course, they have copycats, but Empire can't be beaten on quality, service, speed. So competitors advertise low quality products that Empire simply won't carry. Empire won't promise the lowest price because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they wouldn't put in theirs. And Empire keeps it simpling. How much do you actually want to think about flooring? These are flooring experts. Their philosophy is to help you find what you need, not overwhelm you with thousands of choices and substitutes. And what they leave out of their selection is just as important as what they put in it. Empire's product team exhaustively combs through thousands of product samples each year to find the perfect styles. And you can see all those styles with their virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space. It's easy. Just snap a picture of your room and instantly see how new floors will look. 
look in that room. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use promo code CHGO. Restrictions apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. Again, those copycats are offering you a lowest, you know, lower prices because it's a cheaper product. You're getting $350 off just because you're a CHGO listener. So go check them out at empiretoday.com slash CHGO. Uh, Vinny. Yes. Are you ready to tell people about ComEd? Of course. Because it's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we can all get behind because they're less stinkier than gas uh, motors. Uh, for all health of the planet and for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. You know, you're right, Sean. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So ComEd is basically like me going over to Korea and becoming a, 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 a KBO Cy Young. Like that's the confidence that ComEd will give me. They instill that confidence in you. Yes. Oh, we're, we're, like what should I? What should business owners do to become Eric Fetty, the Eric Fetty of electric vehicles? That's a great question, Sean. They should go to comed.com/clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you, yes, you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. Go to comed.com/clean. I'm sorry, Vinny. I was drinking something, so my ears weren't open. Uh, did you say? Comet.com slash clean. Sean, I did. Your ears must have been working fine. So go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and to a better future for generations to come. Amazing. Uh, Tony LaRusa has seen generations of White Sox baseball. Uh, he's been around for a while. Uh, I think since 1979 uh, was the first time that he was hired as White Sox manager. And obviously that wasn't continued. Uh, there was a time where Tony LaRusa was fired. And that was Jerry Reinsdorf's biggest regret. And as we learned in 2021, he wanted to make good on that regret. Tony LaRusso became the manager for the White Sox and had to step away in August of 2022 due to health concerns. Uh, Daryl Van Scowen of the Sun-Times today spoke to Tony LaRusso and published a piece. Uh, and Tony talked about how better, how much better he's feeling. Uh, since That's good. Taken care of by doctors. Mm -hmm. uh, doctors are doing their job. They are. Big of them. Uh, but Tony also addressing the senior advisor role that we've heard so much about. Uh, what'd you take away from that piece? A lot of uh, concerns have been, you know, building up for White Sox fans being like, oh, is Tony LaRusso pulling the strings uh, on the White Sox organization? Daryl's story doesn't really seem like it's that. No, I had two big takeaways, and, and obviously I think I've said it before, and you maybe could even glean it whether I said it outright or not. White Sox fans are pretty mean to Tony La Russa. They were pretty they were they were not very patient with his existence, really, we'll put it that way. And I think that that was more a reaction to how the uh, how he ended up being hired rather than the guy himself. But the, the opinion of the guy himself, be it of as a guy or of a manager, was completely colored by the way that that hiring process went, right? Uh, and so I think because of that, those feelings, even though he's been out of that job for more than a year now, those feelings never really went all the way away. And so I think that the idea that he was ruining or, or, or having some sort of negative influence on things moving forward was obviously colored by that. That being said, I think it was extremely important for him and certainly Daryl uh, through his reporting to clear up exactly what he's doing. And it sounds like what he's doing is providing insight that can only be gained from decades worth of experience doing this. What I said when Tony LaRusso was hired as the manager was say what you will about him. If the goal is taking a team to the World Series, 
He knows how to do that better than most. Maybe not in 2020 whatever, but certainly in 2011, he knew how to do it. In 20, uh, um, in whatever other year the Cardinals won the World Series, 2006, yes. they knew how to, he knew how to do that. And in 1989, he knew how to do that with the Oakland Athletics. So taking that plus all the other success, winning divisions and making playoffs, hell, hell he won one division with the White Sox in 2021, yes, didn't he? he? Did. And using that as a resource for this team and its decision makers, the guys who are actually, to use your phrase, pulling the strings, right? Mm -hmm. I don't see that as a terrible thing. I understand why folks would call it bad if they already didn't like him in the first place, but I would say this, that the clearing up, I think he phrased it this way. He's putting in his two cents, and the other 98% of it is everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Um, I also love the crossover between Tony La Russa and Hulk Hogan. Uh, that's all I know how to do, brother. Uh, La Russa said is what I'm assuming how he said it. I'm not ready to do anything else but stay close to the game. And again, we obviously know the relationship between Jerry and Tony La Russa. It makes sense that this is the, the team that he ends up with because of the trust between him and Tony La Russa. And let's not forget, as was pointed out by Daryl, he had similar roles in other organizations yes, too. Right. Obviously, um, a lot more power for lack of a better term, when he was uh, with the Diamondbacks, but he was in pretty much a similar role with both the Red Sox, mm -hmm. the year they won the World Series uh, most recently, as well as the Angels um, the year before he came uh, back to the to the dugout with the White Sox. Now, he said he didn't like that very much because he didn't like being in the front office as opposed to being in the dugout, but he has done this type of thing before with other organizations. To address, to uh, uh, well, table the his current position now uh, for later to speak on what you said about White Sox maybe treating him unfairly. I guess this would be, I would react the same way as if they signed Zach Greinke. We brought this up after the show yesterday that Zach Greinke is uh, telling teams that he wants to come back. Like it, it's putting your eggs in a 40 year old starting pitcher. It's putting your eggs into a 76 year old manager. I'm not trying to be ageist here, but the average lifespan's around 79 million, uh, 79 million, uh, That'd 70, be nice. Yeah, 79 <laughs> years old. Uh, so it's not surprising that a 76 year old man ran into health issues. And as he said, like he had a pacemaker put in 2022 that got faulty and he had a separate issue that he wanted to keep private, which, you know, he has all the uh, you know, I mean, obviously HIPAA is a thing for a reason. He can keep whatever issues he's having to himself, but it, it did feel when fans were seeing him possibly not off in the dugout or whatever the hell that was. Like it didn't feel like we were truly getting the insight to what was happening. And then it felt like not only fans were blindsided, but the team was blindsided. I mean, like I think Michael Kopech said that he learned uh, that Tony was stepping away uh, that August 30th night or 31st night from the Jumbotron. Like it, it, it was kind of, it caught people off surprise the way that the Tony La Russa managing career ended. And I think it's not surprising for that managing career to end the way it did for a 76 year old man. Like it's, it, it was just more of, I was, I, I, it was I less was, about the pro, the process because I understood the process. Jerry and him are close. It's just, I mean, he, I, I don't know if that's the right person to that. Not, I don't know. That's all right. We don't need to rehash the, was Tony La Russa the right guy to manage the team or not? I think most people would have uh, expected for a litany of reasons, somebody else. Um, I think, though, that folks were not, folks were treating, uh, my point is not, look how folks treated Tony La Russa at the end. It was, look how folks treated Tony La Russa from the second it was rumored that he was going to get the job. And so I think from that jump, that colored so many people's opinions of him 
moving forward and that was unable to be changed. And listen, that's history. It, it's We're not dealing with that anymore. Um, the other takeaway that I had from this, though, which I think is important to the future of the present and future of this team was the relationship with Pedro Grafol. And, and I think I've brought it up with uh, in regards to this topic before when we've had similar conversations about Tony and about him being around still was how would you like it if you're Tony, if you're Pedro Grafol mm-hmm. and the guy who had the job before you and was not fired from that job, right. just could no longer continue in it is kind of there sharing his opinion on maybe what you should be doing. And I think that it was very um, important to understand that uh, environment to hear from both Tony and Pedro on that on that topic. You've got uh, Pedro saying that he's that Tony has become a friend of his, and that 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 the resource of having Tony there is invaluable. That uh, you've got Tony saying, "I'm not here to meddle in his business and tell him you know what he should be doing and all that kind of thing." Rather, just offering, "Hey." you know, here's what I did, take it or leave it here. You know, when we had this problem, we did these drills. So maybe you want to do that. Maybe you don't kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And I think when it's colored in that light, when it is given the detail of what he's actually offering up to Pedro, that to me does sound more like senior advisor guy with three world series rings offering whatever advice you might need. And it doesn't seem like, Hey, I'm standing over you manager. Who's never done this before watching you with a, watching you with a, with a magnifying glass and saying, Nope, you should have done that. You should have done that. You should have done that. That's, that's uh, you're in Herb's job, obviously. Um, right. But so many times, whether it was you or Herb or any number of people in our comments last year, the idea was Pedro Grifol looks in over his head kind of thing like that. He's never done this before. Is the job too much for him? Well, guess what? He's got the guy a phone call away or a walk up the stairs or the or a trip up the elevator away who has done this before basically more than anybody else ever has. And so that to me strikes as a resource and it strikes as a positive one. Uh, you know, he cleaned up the, he cleaned up, he pointed out that anybody uh, guessing that he might've been the one to make the call on whether Kenny or Rick should have, should have been fired. He made sure to say that that was ridiculous. Um, I mean, it truly seems like Jerry Reinsdorf has a relationship with the second winningest manager in the history of baseball. And he is going to use that to make the guy he hired to be his manager as good as he possibly can in addition to the team around him. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's similar. Uh, Wyoming's football coach just left, and he was previously at North Dakota State, and he won a ton of national championships there. And then he went to Wyoming and had similar success because he knew how to build a culture. The guy that's replacing him is just an assistant coach who's never done it before, has been under the the head coach, and has watched him how he's built his culture. But it, it might not be the same effect, might not have the same presence. So I, I, I am with you. I don't mind that Tony Larusa is offering guidance to Pedro Rafol. I don't think it can hurt. Um, I mean, again, if you had to grade Tony's uh, managing stint as in, from 2021 to 2022, I mean, you'd probably put it from like anywhere from a C to a B. Um, I mean, like he, he won a division. They won over 90 games in 2021. I, I think that, you know, and when, when they left, they were probably 500 in 2022 because that was the entire year. Um, so, I mean, it's not like it was the worst tire in the world. It just maybe again. From a results standpoint. You mean, yeah, yeah, from a results standpoint in the world. I mean, hey. It sure I mean, didn't they, go right. I mean, I, I don't think anybody could say that it was well, a, it, it was, it was very successful in year one it was wildly disappointing in year two 
but we didn't know how wild the disappointment could get in the in the year after he was he was gone. If they hired Pedro Grafol in twenty twenty one, I don't think that team has the same amount of success as Tony Russa did in twenty twenty one. If that makes sense, perhaps. Um, like I, I do think that it was a, a fine hire. I didn't like the way it was was done, obviously, um, and I don't really like the way that Jerry does things. But at least he's consistent. You know, at least, I mean, it's not surprising that Tony LaRusso is advising Pedro Grafol. Um, as long as Pedro Grafol wants it, and it seems like he, he does want it, uh, I'm fine. Use all the resources that you could possibly can to, to, to help yourself and, and grow and get better. So uh, I have no issues with it. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's the way it rolls. Um, we weren't supposed to do an Empire read when we were supposed uh, when we did. Uh, it was so very nice, though. It was. Yeah. Uh, so we're just going to do a Ray Chevy read now. Okay. Uh, and let the people know about our lovely friends over at Ray Chevy. We'll continue maybe uh, the the Tony Larusa discussion in a sec. I don't think there's much to add because again, he's 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 the two percenter. I don't think that it's going to be uh, any any words out of Tony Larusa's mouth going to. Uh, cause drastic changes in the outcome of the 2024 White Sox season. Uh, hopefully it just makes Pedro Fole feel a little bit more confident as a manager. Uh, Chevy, our friends over at Ray Chevy, are going to make you a little bit more confident in getting the best price for a vehicle. If you are looking for a new vehicle, Ray Chevrolet is having their biggest sale of the year right now. Make your way to Ray Chevrolet on Route 12 in Fox Lake to join in on the savings for their model year-end sales event. As one of the top-selling she- Chevy dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicago Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories, but right now they're trying to make room for incoming 2024 models. So all of their current inventory must go. Uh, Plus, you can find the perfect tailgating vehicle at Ray Chevrolet because they have over 100 new Silverados in stock. And that's not all. You can get 0% financing with $0 downs and zero payments until spring 2024 or save over $3,000 on a new Chevy Blazer, $4,000 on an Equinox, or over $10,000 on a Silverado. And to top it all off, they're pricing over 125 vehicles under $20,000. Seriously, can pricing get more affordable? The last time I went car shopping uh, was not a fun experience, and I ended up getting the same car that I had uh, that I wrecked uh, for the same price. It was already wrecked. Yeah, right. And they didn't have any new cars on, on, on uh, the lot. Uh, you can go to Ray Chevy right now and get a ton of new vehicle options. So uh, go check them out on Route 12 because they're also offering you a free oil change. Everyone loves the word free. All you have to do is mention CHGO when scheduling your oil change online or on the phone. And you better hurry because this exclusive offer ends December 31st, 2023. Visit Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake or Ray Chevrolet.com to get your model year-end savings. They've been serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. And speaking of roads, it was on lovely 1994 today, and I saw, to my left, didn't realize, a beautiful view of Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel. You could see it right there. You could see it right off the Kennedy. You could see it right there. You could take that exit and go right there. Uh, to the and Midtown if you're on Athletic the Kennedy, Club. you should take any exit you possibly can. It's not that bad right now. Well, they finally cleared it up. Yeah. They finally switched it back to four. It's only going to be but, open for like a couple months. But yeah, yeah, once once the warm weather comes back in, you know, eight months or whenever Chicago winter is usually over, uh, they'll be right back at it. Eight months is a long time for winter. Yeah, yeah. that I mean, was a joke get, that yeah, I was. No, I got yeah. you. I got you. But I mean, like, hey, if, <laughs> if the Kennedy is it's current state for eight, eight months, that's pretty smooth sailing. Eight, eight months would mean July. Let's yeah. hope that July <laughs> and August, though, the cold weather is gone by then. Uh, welcome to Chicago, Eric Fetty. Uh, Midtown's for Chicago. What's the temperature in South Korea like? I'm not sure. Is it nice in Seoul? Um, Midtown's four Chicagoland locations. Uh, There's none in Seoul uh, because that's not in Chicagoland, but they have one in Palatine in the northwest suburbs. Bannockburn 
in the North Shore, Willowbrook in the Southwest Suburbs, and Midtown Athletic Club and Hotel in the middle of Bucktown and Lincoln Park right off I-94. Uh, Midtown Palatine has also launched a multi-million dollar transformation of the club, which will be complete in early 2024. Listeners can lock in favorable rates if they join before the end of the year, uh, and there's something for the club at everyone, whether you're a single person, whether you have kids, uh, whether you're looking to make uh, lifestyle changes. They have child care available for those with kids. Uh, they have a ton of expansive classes and different uh, opportunities to work out, whether you're looking for weight training, whether you're looking to do tennis, whether you're looking to shoot some hoops, maybe looking to get into a pool, uh, maybe just to do some good old cardio. Uh, Midtown Athletic is a massive, 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 uh, at least the athletic club uh, in, in the middle of downtown, uh, facility and the ones that are in the outer uh, regions are still uh, you know top notch head over to midtown.com slash chgo to find out more and to tour the midtown athletic club nearest you um i guess that's really all hey that, sean i gotta bring up yeah the weather's 43 degrees in uh, South Korea, by the way. And it's going to get much colder. Yeah. It's a nice day in South Korea. Huh. Look, it's Sunday. It's going to be 22 degrees. 22. They're high. It's too cold. I didn't to... know Seoul was that cold. How it's are too cold? Yeah, they're colder than us. We haven't even gotten down to like, I feel like 20 degrees yet. That sucks. It was cold yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, but the high was like <laughs> 30s. Yeah, I mean, I, I went walking both days and it's been it's been pleasant. It hasn't been that bad. Could be uh, worse. Uh, we'll put it that way. Any final thoughts on uh, on Tony? I feel no, like, like I, I said, of I, abruptly end that conversation. No, no, I, I, I think, let's put it this way. I think that was an important, uh, important piece of reporting by Daryl because I think um, for, you know, for better or for worse, White Sox fans were had an opinion of, of what was going on with Tony, with the front office, with Jerry, and to clear that up to make sure you know now what you have to base your opinion off of moving forward is a big deal. And so, uh, you know, listen to what a guy like Pedro has to say. If you don't, if you know, if you're not, if you're not, if you're somebody who thinks, oh no, it's not, you know, who can who can trust a guy I don't like to tell me the truth kind of thing. Well, Pedro's the guy who you would think maybe would be negatively impacted by by that sort of situation and he's talking like it's it's going fine and that it's good so um and certainly tony whatever your opinion of the guy always kind of told us what was going on you know with the exception of his health issue he wanted right. to keep private but he was not shy to tell us what was going on which is something that other managers pedro included i think at times um you know are hesitant to do if you if you want kind of a plus of the old school way of doing things from a media perspective that's been a plus to, or that was a plus during those two years to have him kind of provide that insight that we're always looking for. But for whatever reason, maybe newer school folks are, are more hesitant to give. He didn't do that. And so that was nice from our standpoint. And so I have, knowing that, I have no reason to doubt that what he's saying is, is how it's actually playing out. Yeah. And the, the one quote too, it, it was very similar to uh, Shohei Otani apologizing for taking so long to make his decision. Uh, Tony saying, I regret getting sick. I like, it's out of your control. Like it's, 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 there's nothing you could think you could have done uh, to avoid that. So obviously, you know, we're glad to see that Tony's bounce back feeling good enough to at least uh, be a part of baseball. Cause obviously it's, it's extremely important in his life. Uh, so glad he's at least uh, not had that taken away from him. So that's cool. And he's getting to watch a uh, baseball with Liam Hendricks at the world series up in that box. Uh, hot stove pretty cold 
Well, it's getting hotter. You think? It's way hotter than it was last week in Nashville. I, I that's thought, for sure. I thought Glass now would be confirmed at this point. And I mean, that deal's not done. Yamamoto has not made a decision He's yet. still meeting with teams. I saw just now there was a report he was meeting with the Phillies today. So who knows? Maybe he hits all 30 teams at some point here before going on. But <laughs> the White Sox are not taking a meeting. But, but uh, no, I mean, listen, I think the, the, the rumors are things that happen, right? I mean, the rumors is the hot stove. If it was just things that were, ha- if it was just the news of the deals getting done, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't be so spicy all the time. So I think when you hear these rumors that say, oh, glass now, uh, maybe getting traded today and then it throttles down, maybe it'll throttle back up and throttle down again. I mean, like th- that, that is kind of the way it always works. And whether that irritates you or entertains you is up to your individual, uh, you know, uh, opinion there. But I think that that's what makes the hot stove, the hot stove last week. Week, there was just nothing at the winter meetings. It was just nothing. And so to have some some something, some bubbling on the hot stove uh, uh, right now is at least preferable to the nothing happening. So you've got you've got Glass now in, mentioned in things. You've got Yamamoto mentioned in things. I mean, let's not discount that one of those guys that just came over from the league that Eric Fetty pitched in last year just got a uh, six-figure or a nine-figure contract, sorry, Pretty big get by the Giants right there. So uh, there are um, there are things happening uh, as 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 slight as they might be. But man, the 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 man on the milk carton still remains Blake Snell, doesn't he? Oh yeah, right. Where and is we he? haven't heard his name at all. Uh, I think one thing was that, uh, on MLB.com said that the Giants are picking up interest in Blake Snell. So okay. a little bit of something. Uh, Jeff Passan tweeted about two minutes ago that uh, Tyler Maley will be signing with the Texas Rangers for two years, twenty two million. So. I know all of you have been waiting with bated breath for what Tyler Malley is going to do. Uh, there you go. Um, final thing on Fetty. Do we know his jersey number? Oh, maybe. He was, Let me look. So he's first 23 with the Nationals. That's currently Ben Benintendi's number. Then he was 32, it, which is Gavin Sheets' number. Sometimes it's in the release. So let Maybe right. he'll be 24. Maybe he'll be 24, but when he was with the NC Dinos, he was 13. No one has worn that number since Willie Harris in 2003. Uh, Antonio Ozuna wore it from 2001 to 20, uh, 2002, but mainly uh, Ozzie Guillen wore it from uh, 1985 to 1997, and that's kind of like been like a little quote-unquote off limits for people. No jersey number information was mm. in the official announcement, mm. so we can only guess. We can only we, we can only speculate. I'm guessing 24. You're gonna guess 24. That's my guess. 24? That's my favorite number. They're gonna give him Diane Vicieto's number. Is anyone just yeah. like that? Is anyone 24? Like Yaz was 24. Yaz was 24. So, so 24 will be open. All right, Sarah's taking 24. Do you have a guess? I'll say it'll be in the 30s. Okay. Because um, what he was 32 with the Nats, right? Yeah, he was 32, and that's Gav's number. I I don't think Gavin Sheets is on the team, so I think he gets 32. Oh, possible. Do you think? Do you think he he goes out to Ozzy and be like Ozzy, man? I I really found it was my Dino's number. Yeah, I really found something with thirteen. Can I can I use it? I mean, what are they going to do with that number? Do you think maybe we save well, this for tomorrow? Well, you know who's also gone, Liam Hendricks. He can flip. Oh, it. he could thirty one. Oh, all right. Hey, all right. Maybe we'll see him be thirty one because he was thirty two. That's just one step down, and it's thirteen mirrors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, I'll I'm gonna go with you. Thir, thir, Thirty-one will be Eric Fetty's number. That's 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 my uh, my speculation there. Uh, I'm excited to see Fettuccini pitch. That's Vinny Duber. Hold on, don't I need to do a Foco read? Oh, you do need to do a yeah. Foco read. All right, why don't you do a Foco? I'll read? do it right now. Normally, when we're out, we're in Studio A. You see the classic Southpaw orange flag White Sox bobblehead doll. You see the Tim Anderson waiting for a red line train to Howard bobblehead doll. 
You don't see that today because we're in Studio B, but normally you would, and you would go, oh my God, those bobbleheads are amazing. Well, guess what? They came from FOCO. And so you can go over to FOCO. You can get get it get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They've got hoodies. They've got shoes. They've got signs. They've got bobbleheads, and they've got everything in between. It's baseball season, and I say that because it's always baseball season, even though it's cold and no one's playing baseball. Uh, so get yourself Aloha shirts, straw hats, polos, bags, everything you need for that wonderful opening day game on the south side in late March when you'll be playing mm. bags in the snow. Ooh, look at that. There's a, a southpaw hat. The mascot oh, plush that's hat. that's really cool. That's what you're getting at FOCO? Oh, I'm going to get that for you. Hmm. I know you already wear the suit. Well, I can't wear that in the press box, that's for you, sure. You can't wear it in the suit because that would probably cause a lot of constriction. So, But, I mean, your day's off. You can wear it. I'm a, I can wear it at home. Okay. I can, can, wear, can wear it in bed. Wife will love that. Yeah, I'm sure she will. Uh, you've seen the set decorations that FOCO gave to, uh, gave to us so generously. So go show them some love. Check out FOCO.com or click the link in the description below for all non-presale items. You can use the code, the promo code CHGO10 for 10% off. Uh, Justin in the chat saying... Uh, Eight's a now open number because Debo's gone. So I, I do wonder uh, what number we'll see. Uh, maybe Paul DeYoung takes that. Uh, he wore 11, 12, uh, 10, and 18. So maybe he goes uh, eight. He can't wear know. 11. Seven's open because TA's gone. So seven's a, so, so 12. A, I don't know. Is 12, 12's not retired, is it? No, that was that was AJ's mm-hmm. number. Yeah, no. So uh, who has it now? 12 was last. Romy. Romy has it. Romy I could see him taking over twelve because he can't. He can't. He can't have eleven. That's Louis Aparicio. I. I. Well, I, I don't. I think I mean, what, he's going to buy it off Romy, or he's a veteran. He just gets to have it. Mm. <laughs> I, I think Paul DeYoung will go to. It's. It's cool to have a, a a single digit number. So I think seven or eight will be Paul DeYoung. Also, December. one is available. Elvis Andres is gone. Well, it's true. One's a pretty good number. It's the magic number. Is it? No, three, three is the is magic, magic number. number. I don't know anything. That's Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And you can read his latest piece about Fettuccini, Eric Fetty, uh, up at allchgo.com, recapping what he had to tell the media today about gaining confidence over in South Korea. Make sure you go read that at allchgo.com. Thank you to Sarah for producing the show. Thanks. Her- you're, you're very welcome. Uh, Herb will be back soon next week. Vinny and I will be back tomorrow. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. Bye. We all silly like the mayor.